number one, I will say that I'm going to say it publicly, not just over in the corner quietly, that we played our game, we had a good time, but wow, if you know more about sports, even though Brandon's saying amen to it, (laughs) if you know more about sports than you know about your Bible, not that it's a bad thing, but it should wake you up to say, you know what, I may need to try and get into things that matter. Now, growing up, I would have been right with, well, I would have probably known some of them. I probably would have at least been able to finish the round, guys. But uh, I would at least say that if you can name rosters of sports teams and you can't name people from the Bible, I would tell you that you're probably not doing that which is most important to your life. I understand that people that enjoy sports have good jobs and can give good lives, but actually people who know the Word of God, the Bible says they have good success in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. So that's my challenge to you guys. I know it's just a game. It really doesn't matter in the scope of things. But what does matter is if you don't know your Bible, I mean, what, what, else, is the ma- what else matters in the actuality of all eternity? So we're going to be still going through 2 Timothy. So let me ask you a question you should know. Who wrote the book of 2 Timothy? Paul. Who did you write it to? Where was he when he wrote it? He was in prison, but what prison in what place? Rome. Yes. Where was Timothy at? Ephesus. Yes. Good job. Good job. See, you know some. So Ephesus. Let me see if I can ask you. Oh, last week, God did not give us a spirit of what? But what else did he give us a spirit of? Power, love, and a sound mind. All right. We're going to jump in to 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 8. It says this, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him, against that day. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, that we can once again come to the youth group, Lord, and gather together. Lord, I should help us for the next few minutes, Lord, as we look in Second Timothy chapter number one, Lord, these few verses. God, that we would understand, Lord, why Paul said he wasn't ashamed, Lord, of his bonds. He wasn't ashamed of you, Lord, because what you did in his life. And God, I should help us to have that same testimony here tonight. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and the power of, power of love and of sound mind. This week we're going into Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, right now I'm in prison. But what I want to write to you that he said last week, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. This week he's saying, hey, Timothy, I'm trying to write to you that you're not ashamed. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner as I'm in prison here. But look to Christ. For all things that he can do in your life. So as we go through, let's look at our handout. If you don't have a Bible, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12, it's putting at the top there. So you should be able to get it. Paul's challenge to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of our Lord, but partake in affliction with God's strength. Don't be ashamed of our Lord, but partake in affliction with God's strength. Partake in affliction means suffer hardship in company with. We have, we live 
I know that, as, and sometimes we don't think we have it all that well, but compared to the rest of the world, compared to Christians who've lived before, we live pretty well. There's a, there's a video going around the internet right now. Of, I mean, I showed it to my wife the other day because kind of, it was kind of funny. It's about um, some people complaining about the iPhone 5. And so they're complaining about, oh, wow, my iPhone 5 is too thin and light. My iPhone 5, it scratches easily. My iPhone 5, the maps don't work all that well. And so on the video, what they do is they have these people over there complaining about how their iPhone 5 doesn't work. And so then they say, come on in. And they bring these people, supposedly, it's a skit, from China who, make the, who work in the factory. And so one of the people says, oh, so your maps don't work? Oh, I don't have that problem because where I sleep is where I work. I don't need a map. And so, and they go through like all the things of like, as far as like what in where they live, like you're going to complain about this. She was like, oh, so your, your, uh, uh, your iPhone five took you to Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts instead of Starbucks. Oh, like, like it's some big deal. And then at the end, they, um, they keep complaining. And so the lady's like, well, I mean, the guy's like, well, while you keep complaining, feel free to give all your complaints. We're going to play the sad violin and they're going to do this Chinese sarcastic dance. And so this one lady is like, like going like this and the other lady is playing a sad violin as they complain about what their iPhone 5 cannot do. As we live now as Christians, we think it's hard sometimes. And I'm not going to lie, it does get hard sometimes. But if you ever read a book of Fox's Book of Martyrs and you read about people who have really stood up for the faith, who have really done something for God, our small complaints are, look so pathetic. Can you imagine sitting beside someone like John Wycliffe, who was burned at the stake for the word of God? And I'm not trying to be funny or not trying to be mean, who was trying to translate the Bible into English and got burned at the stakes and they hate him so much that they threw his ashes into the river to walk over to us today and say, well, Pastor Brennan, if you played an athletic game, I would be a little better at it. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be mean. But we look at our Christianity today compared to Christianity as it is. And Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, hey, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner, but rather jump in, partake in the affliction. Timothy, it's time to get up and go to war. Timothy, it's time to get off our throne and get down to serving God. The song there, I have it for you. I like this song. I don't like the, I, I don't care for the tune of the song because like, am I sort of the cross? Like to me, it has this like battlefield theme. And sometimes when I listen to the tune of the actual tune of it, I'm like, I don't think it quite fits. But the, the song, but I love the words. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friendly grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would win and reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Jump in on the affliction. See, sometimes we're, we're too, I guess, first world. Our problems that we think are problems 
are really not problems in the scope of what Christians have dealt with down to the line. Think about Blandina. If you read Fox, the Book of Martyrs, a young girl fed to animals, I believe, because she would not, she would not say she did not believe in Christ. She would not deny Christ. But most of the time, our Christianity, and I'm putting Aaron Burton right in there with it, is the Christianity of Peter standing beside the fire. Hey, you're one of those Jesus followers. What? What are you talking about? I don't know who Jesus is. Man, just leave me alone. Just over here by the fire. Hey, hey, I know you. You were with Jesus. No, I don't know anybody named Jesus. I don't know the man. Hey, you were with Jesus. Beep, beep, blankety, blank, blank. I don't know who Jesus is. And that's what Peter was to the cock crew. And he's ran away crying because he had just denied Jesus Christ. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, hey, God has not given us the power of spear, um, spear, of fear, but he's given us power. He's given us love. He's given us sound mind, that self-control to be able to do what God's called us to do. And he says, don't be ashamed, Timothy, but jump in on the affliction. Jump in to the fight that God has for us. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and watch the world, the flesh and the devil, march through while we sit back and say, well, you know what? I'm being persecuted. Well, it's so hard. And I'm not trying to make light of it being hard because I understand for some of you to stand up for God in your school is a big deal. But I'm just going to say we need to put into perspective. Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? It's the vile world that I love, that I watch, that I embrace. Is it a friend to help me onto God? No, I must fight if I would win. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. He took, first of all, in the first verse there, it says, Be not thou before shame of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but, thou, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Why? Let's jump into number two. Why partake in the affliction of the gospel? Verse number 10. I mean, verse number 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Why, Pastor Burton, or why, Paul, as Timothy, why should I jump in affliction? Why should I jump in the midst of a fight that you call Christianity? Why in the world should I jump in there, whether it's persecution, whether it's me standing up to the right, whether it's me taking any kind of conflict, why should I do that? Number one, or letter A, God saved us. God saved us. Now, this is Paul writing. Paul, the man who got beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, all the above, multiple times, some of the things. This is him writing and saying, you know what? I can endure affliction. I can sit in the night in prison, shackled, and I can sing. Let me tell you why, Timothy. Because he saved me. Guys, I know since we live some of us are in Christian homes, and we around the Bible a lot. We may not know it from cover to cover. But if you ever get over the fact that Jesus Christ saved your soul from eternal hell, if you ever get over that, then you need to stop, back up, and take a recount. Because if you ever get over the fact that 
you were hell-bound for all eternity. You ever thought about eternity? It makes your head hurt. That thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years has only yet begun for eternity. And to think that I did not deserve any of God's love, but that God would, as Romans 5, 8, display his love for me that while I was yet sinner, just like I said before, when I was doing things that I knew to be against God, just go ahead and think in your mind right now, all the things in your life that you do right now that you know are against God and you do them anyway. He saved you. He knew that Aaron Burden would do things against him. And he said, I'll send my son anyway. That Aaron Burden would sit there and contemplate a way to do wrong and the best plan to get there. Oh, I'll save him anyway. Why is it worth me getting affliction? Why is it worth me suffering something for the cause of Christ? Why is it worth me standing up and saying, you know what, I, I choose to do the right thing and have it be mocked and scoffed at? Why? Because Jesus saved us. First Corinthians says, for the love of Christ constrains us. What, what more should we need other than the fact that Jesus Christ loved us enough to die on the cross? If you, if you don't get over it, I mean, if you ever get over it, go back to the Gospels and read the crucifixion account. If you ever get over it, that Jesus saved you, why don't you read over and over and over and over again where they beat a crown of thorns in Jesus' head for our sake. Where they nailed his hands for our sake. Because we were so wicked and vile that we could do nothing to get ourselves to heaven, but God loved us enough. Hey, Paul, why in the world should I endure affliction? Why should I put my head on the line for Jesus Christ? Why should I worry about what people think about me and this whole Christian thing? Because God saved you. Really, you shouldn't need more than that. But Paul goes on. Let her be. God called us with the holy calling. The holy calling there is a consecrated calling. Holy calling, a consecrated calling, a heavenly calling. See, sometimes we look at this all the wrong way. God's called us the holy calling. Well, since I'm a Christian and God's called me with this holy calling, there's a whole list of things that I cannot do because I'm a Christian and I have to be separated from the world. Paul says it's not like that. It's like this. The reason I can do affliction because God saved me and God called me to do something. If you knew Paul before, who was a blasphemer, blasphemer as his own words. He was a murderer. That God would call me? It's a privilege. But too bad, we, too most, too bad most of the time we look at it as, well, if I'm going to be a good Christian, I'm going to have to stop doing this, stop doing that, can't go here, can't listen to this. No. Paul says, I've called you with a holy calling. I mean, God's called you with a holy calling. I mean, illustration. If right now you're going to a friend's birthday party, friend, I don't know what you guys get, or I don't even know if people still have birthday parties. I think they do because you guys tell me you don't come to activities because you're going to a birthday party. Maybe you're making it up. But either way, somebody has a birthday party, and you go grab a gift. If it's a guy, maybe you go get him a video game. 
you have a video game and it's sitting there and you've bought it, your parents, you and your parents went out and got it and it's sitting on the counter there. And you, you look at that and you're like, the party's not for another five hours. Why don't I just bust this game out real quick and see what it does? Unwrap the plastic, throw it in your PlayStation Xbox, play it for a little bit. This is a pretty good game. Wow, I should have got it myself. Get ready to go to your birthday party, put it back in the box, put a Ziploc bag, kind of throw it back in the bag, walk in. Hey, man, happy birthday. That's a good game. Really good reviews. I'm one of the reviewers. Good job. It was a good game. And you gave that. Now, most likely, if you have a good friend, they probably will open it. And they'll look at it, and they'll say, dude, did you really just play this game? <laughs> did you really open the game? Yeah, I did, man, but it was a good game. And probably if you have a good friend, they'll be like, I mean, you're crazy. And they'll just open it and put it in their Xbox, and they'll play it too. But that's not what you do. do why? Because I've separated this game for someone else. I bought this game for someone else. I bought this gift from someone else. That's why I don't open it. I don't play it. I know when, right, uh, when Shiloh was little, well, sometimes still, if we go get a birthday present for someone else, Dad, let's play with it now. Let, let's open it. But that's not what you do. Why? Because it's set aside for someone else. See, what Paul's telling Timothy is, not only has God saved me, but see, he set me aside. He's called me with a holy calling for something else. God has a purpose for my life. And see, what we look at it sometimes is, what you would never look at it as a gift that way, you would never look at a gift that your parents and you bought for someone else and say, man, that's so stupid, I can't play that. That is so stupid that I can't open that. That's so dumb that I, I can't get the use out of it. We bought it. That'd be dumb. But when it comes to our life, our Christian life, we look at it like, what do you mean I can't dress the way I want to? You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, for they are his. What do you mean I can't listen to what I want to? You're set aside for somebody else. You're set aside for something else. And see, Paul's saying, hey, the reason you can endure affliction, Timothy, is because God saved you, but he's also called you with the holy calling. He has a purpose for your life, and he wants you to set it aside. Yeah, there's some things you may not get to do, but it's because God has chosen me. To do something. We look, we go further. He's called the holy calling. Letter I, the little number one deal there. <laughs> not according to our works. It's not according to our works. The works is labor or deeds. He's called the holy calling, not according to our works. Most of you in here can quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The same way you got saved, that was not your works, is the same way God has called you to be holy, not because of your talents and abilities. For you, service on Sunday, I may ask you guys to do something because you have a talent or ability in that area. I may say, hey... <laughs> You can sing. Why don't you sing with this group and do this? Hey, you're good at doing such and such. Why don't you go over here and do this? In the youth group, you may have certain talents and abilities. You say, Pastor Burton, where can I do this? And I'll say, hey, why don't you try and do this for me? Can you handle this for me? But when it comes to God's choosing for us, this is the good news. God does not 
choose us because of our works. You say, that's dumb, Pastor Burton, because, see, God can use our talents and abilities. I look at you guys sometimes, and maybe one of you is not doing exactly like sometimes I'm just like, oh, God, if you would just get a hold of the heart because they have so much potential. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you got so much potential. But in God's mind, God says, hey, I don't want you because your works. I've got a purpose for you. And I'm going to supply you with what you need to do the job. Why in the world should I endure affliction? Because God's called me. And he's not called me according to what I can do. See, Pastor Burn, because I'm not that talented. I'm not good at sports. I'm not good at, I'm not good at school. It's no problem. Because <laughs> he doesn't call us according to our works. He doesn't call us because we can do things. Same way, reason I cannot uh, do works to get to heaven. The same thing is God doesn't need my works for him to use me. He says that not according to our works. Let's go on. Letter two, because of his purpose and grace through Christ Jesus, who abolished death, who made, I'll let you fill in the blanks, then we'll go back. Who abolished death, abolished, or made of none effect, and that made of no effect. And I'm pretty sure that is with an E, effect. Made of no effect. Who abolished death, abolished, made of no effect, who brought life through the gospel. Because of his purpose and his grace. So not only has he called me with a holy calling according to, not according to my works, I'm sorry, not according to my works, but according to his purpose and his grace. You want me to tell you what, guys? When I say, we used the illustration before of setting something aside, not opening it up. The reason God sets standards on your life is because he has a purpose. And Because of his grace. The same reason that it is awe-inspiring that God would love us enough to send his son to die on the cross for our sins. The same thing is that God would use a wretched, sinful individual to do anything for him. To think, knowing me, knowing when Aaron Burton grew up and how Aaron Burton lived. Now, on paper, you may look at the last... The lifestyle that I lived growing up, because I went to a small school and I had a raised a Christian family, my mom and dad didn't let me do a lot. You may say, well, according to what you did, Pastor Burn, really, you just lived a little dirty, I mean, not dirty, nerdy life. <laughs> you just did these little things. It's not that big a deal in comparison to maybe somebody else. But really, I know Aaron Burden. I know the wickedness of Aaron Burden's heart. And to know that God Almighty loves me enough to let me have an office down the road down the hallway with my name on it. That God, knowing that I am but a fallen man, would let me get up and open his word and preach it. It's according to his purpose and his grace. It's not of my works. It's not because I'm such a great guy because I've done some great things. Well, because I went to college. No, it's because God had a purpose for my life. We can walk around looking at it like, well, If I'm going to try ever to do something for God, then that means I'm going to have to give up this and this. No. It's like, wow. If God, if you'll let me do something for it, I want my life to be consecrated. I want my life to be set aside. I really want you to do something for me. I mean, I want to do something for you. Paul says, hey, God calls not according to our works, but because of the person and grace. And number three, Paul explains why he partook in the affliction of the gospel. Last couple of verses. 
but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause, he says this, for this cause, I also suffer these things, Timothy. The same things I want you to do, I'm doing them. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. A, God has appointed me a work to do. The reason, Timothy, that I'm unwilling to partake in the afflictions because God has appointed me a work to do. A, I'm a preacher. I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul says, Timothy, these are the things that God has used in my life. I wasn't perfect at all because I was a murderer. I murdered Christians. Anybody who even looked like they wanted to serve Jesus Christ and they were following Jesus Christ, I desired to kill them. I blasphemed the very name of God. But he says, you know what? God's called me with a holy calling. He saved me. You know what, Timothy? I'm willing to be a partaker of this. And God's called me right now to be a preacher, an apostle, and teacher of the Gentiles. And Paul says, that means something to me. And he goes on. He says, let her be. The reason I can endure affliction is because I have confidence in Christ. I have confidence in Christ. For the which cause I offer such things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Paul's cry in Philippians, that I may know him. Guys, there should be, I mean, maybe there's a list. If I said right now, if you could meet any person, you could get to know any person, you could get down and sit down to lunch with any person. And I, and I even took the spiritual thing out of it. I just said, with no, no spiritual t- thing attached, no Bible character, just give me a person you'd like to spend time with to get to know. I'm sure in most of your minds, you have a person, you say, well, it'd be cool to sit down with such and such and ask them about this moment in sports. It'd be cool to sit down with so-and-so and ask them about how they felt when this happened. The guy that just jumped 24 miles out of the weather balloon. I want to be like, what were you thinking? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you want to sit down and ask, what in the, you want to ask people, can I get to know you? Paul in Philippians, he says, man, I want to know Christ. You know what it is to be apostle? One of the things to be apostle, you could not be apostle unless you had seen Jesus Christ. Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. And Paul's whole goal in life, I just want to know Christ. Timothy, the reason I can endure affliction, because I know whom I believed. I know Christ. And it says in Jeremiah where God says, hey, I know my thoughts towards you. They're good and not evil. You want to know Christ? You want to know Christ? I'm talking about who he is. I'm talking about what pleases him in, in your life. Paul says, the reason I can endure affliction, hey, I'm floating out here on a log because the ship just wrecked for days. But the reason I can endure this, I know whom I believed. I know Christ. And I know he's worth all of this. Oh, the reason that I can stand up in my school in whatever situation in front of my friends and say, you know what? I choose not to do this. I choose to do the right thing because you know what? I know Christ. He's good to me. See, because when I have a need, 
I can get on my knees and ask him, and he will deliver. I know Christ, because when I read in the word of God, I find out that he loved me enough that he gave himself for me so I didn't have to spend eternity in hell. I know Christ. Timothy, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. He's giving you the spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Go ahead and jump in in affliction. Hey, I am, Paul is sitting in down in jail writing this. Right now, he's probably chained to guards. Don't be ashamed of it, Timothy. Endure the affliction. You know why I can, Timothy? God's coming to the apostle, a preacher, and a teacher of the Gentile. I can do it because I know whom I have believed. I know Christ. I know that he's good. I know that he loves me. I know that he'll take care of me. I can do it, Timothy. He goes on, because I know who I believe. I have confidence in Christ. And lastly, I have confidence he is in control. For I know whom I believe and am persuaded that he is able. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him to that last day. You know what? Timothy, the reason I can endure affliction is because I know whatever I go through, Christ in control. I know who I'm believing and persuaded. Hey, there's not a doubt in my mind that God is not able to get me through whatever situation he takes me through. I'm persuaded, Timothy. So, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Timothy, don't get stuck with this cloud-based Christianity. That, oh, as a Christian, I'm way up here and I can't, I don't have to endure those things. He said, Timothy, no, jump down here. Get in the thick of the battle. Are you a soldier of the cross, a father of the lamb? Endure affliction, Timothy. Why can you do it? Because God has saved you. Because you were a sinner on your way to hell and you deserved it. But God loved you enough to give you heaven. Because he's called you with a holy calling. Because it is not that you have to say, you know what? I can't do such and such. It's, man, God set me aside according to his purpose and his grace. And man, it's a privilege to serve him. It is not, oh, man, as youth pastor at Trinity, I can't go to the movies. It is, man, praise God that God ever allowed me to be a youth pastor here. And if I can't go to movies, forget every movie I can't see. Because God's called me with the holy calling. He separated me to do something better. Oh, man, you pass that training badness. I, if the kids see this CD in my car, I'll get in trouble. Forget the CD. Because God's called me with a holy calling. It's not that I have to do all the things. It's, no, God's chosen me for a purpose. And by his grace, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to serve him at all. I don't deserve to be a doorkeeper in the house of God, as David says. I don't deserve any of it because he's called me. And Paul says, hey, Timothy, you want me to tell you why I can endure affliction? Because I know Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that I have committed him. What I've given him, he'll keep it. He'll take care of it. Hey, Timothy, I know him. And I know he's in control of every situation. That's why I can endure affliction. Guys, are we sold to the cross? Can we endure affliction for God? Or are we glad to stand up and not get our fingers dirty, so to speak, or not get our shoes dirty in the spiritual things because we've got this 
higher level of Christianity. No. I would hope we'd say, you know what? I want to be a sword to the cross. Paul, I want to jump in. I want to do affliction. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, this passage is 2 Timothy. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've, you're good. God, even though we don't deserve it, Lord, you saved us. Lord, even though we don't deserve you to use us at all, Lord, here come on Sunday night, Lord, we'll get up and we'll do, Lord, great things for you, Lord willing, and singing and 